Strange nightmares haunt those who inhabit the great estate. Nightmares that will lead to an ever-increasing sense of apprehension. Nightmares that are more than simple dreams, for they are in fact portents of yet more terror at Collinwood. Tis I, your hostess, Penny Dreadful, transforming into my dreaded doppelganger. Danielle, hey, welcome to the show. I have lots of great stuff for you today. My guest is going to knock your socks off. He is fantastic and super knowledgeable about the minutia of Dark Shadows, the trivia, if you will. But first, before anything else, please, please do remember to subscribe and review the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. There is a video version of this particular episode. So if you're listening to the audio feeds, wonderful. Please do subscribe, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, any of those, please do subscribe. Please do rate and review if you do have the option to do that. And over on YouTube, uh, some of these episodes do have special video versions, uh, and this is one of them. So you'll be hearing from my guest today and watching my guest if you head over to YouTube. So please do subscribe, hit the bell to be notified of new episodes. Now, before we get going, I have some things to tell you about. I just got my advanced copy of Scary Monsters Magazine issue 128 in the mail, and it's a horror host extravaganza. The issue features interviews and articles about horror hosts past and present, including Vampira, Zachary, Stella, Dr. Gangrene, Sven Gulli, Joe Bob Briggs, Marlena Midnight, and even Penny Dreadful, and many more uh, as well. There are loads of horror hosts in there, lots of great, great stuff. It, just in time for Halloween, thank you to Jason Strangis for the great interview, and for Don and Vicky Smiraldi, the editors, uh, for including uh, me in this great issue. Uh, even Terror at Collinwood is discussed. The logo even shows up uh, in the articles. So pick it up at your local bookstore, comic shop, magazine stand, or order at mymoviemonsters.com. You can also get back issues there. There are quite a few Dark Shadows themed issues and articles, so be sure to check out Scary Monsters if you haven't already. I'm sure many of you who listen to Terror at Collinwood already are uh, avid readers of Scary Monsters, so uh, if not, I highly recommend it. Next, uh, Catherine Lee Scott, Maggie Evans, Josette herself will be doing a a Halloween time appearance at Lyndhurst Mansion in Tarrytown, New York. Of course, Lyndhurst was used as Collinwood in both House and Night of Dark Shadows. Uh, Catherine will be signing on October 30th and October 31st on Halloween itself. Uh, she'll be doing guided tours of the mansion, but those are sold out, I'm afraid. I, I know for sure on the 30th they're sold out. I'm not sure about Halloween um, if, if there are slots available, but uh, I suggest checking either the Lyndhurst website or Catherine Lee Scott's Facebook page. And for those who can't make the tour events, whether they're sold out or you can't make it, you may uh, buy a ticket for a meet and greet with a book signing with Catherine between 12 p.m. and 2 p.m. So a great opportunity to meet Catherine Lee Scott. Lastly, uh, Rachel Pulliam has launched a new podcast via her Soul Twin Audios network, and it's called Dark Paradise. The show is about dark shadows and strange paradise, so lots of gothic splendor to explore in this show. Uh, and the first episode is currently available. Rachel did a great job on it, and she was kind enough to share my promo uh, for Terror at Collinwood on her Soul Twin Talk podcast. So I'm happy to return the favor by playing her great promo here on Terror at Collinwood. And here it is. Night has fallen upon the great estate, and yet the occupants within lie restless, plagued with their own dark secrets, and longing for a paradise beyond their reach. Is this Collinwood in the year 1897? Or is it Mel Jardin in 1969? Join me as I explore the beginnings of two very distinct gothic soap operas. 
One with a well-known fan base, while the other has nearly fallen into obscurity. I bid you welcome to my dark paradise. Thank you very much, Rachel. Uh, see the links in the show notes for Rachel's show. And I look forward to seeing more episodes from her. And now let's get to today's episode of Terror at Collinwood. Be careful, my friend, where you tread. For I warn you now, there are spoilers ahead. Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. Tis I, Danielle, a.k.a. Penny Dreadful. And I'm very excited to have my guest here today. Uh, I met him a few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago at the Dark Shadows Festival. And uh, he just was such a charming and fun person to talk to. My guest today is super fan Charles Ellis. Charles was a fixture at the Dark Shadows festivals for years. His devotion to Dark Shadows and knowledge about details surrounding the show and its stars is well known to both fans and actors from the series, to the point where when someone is stuck for a piece of information, they've been known to call for Charles by name. I have seen it happen in action. Uh, It is my pleasure to welcome you to Terror at Collinwood. Charles, welcome. Wait, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I literally I, I was I like this as a as a longtime fan. So fire when ready. Okay, okay. <laughs> I remember um, I was watching something with Catherine Lee Scott, and uh, they somebody asked her for a trivia a trivia question, and she said, "I wish Charles was here." It was something to that effect. <laughs> I was like, "I know she's talking about Charles Ellis." Um, so wonderful. So tell us, Charles, um, how how did you first get into uh, Dark Shadows? Well, it. Yeah. Tell you, Chip, it really goes back a decade. You see that penny right above? That's my late mother. Oh, originally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the show originally. Okay, but how I got involved with Dark Shadows is a roundabout way. Okay, back in the uh, late 70s, I there was a book on sci-fi and horror TV called Fantastic Television. And, you know, it had detailed, um, it had detailed chapters on the biggies like Lost in Space or Twilight Zone, Wonder Woman, you know, Space 1999, you know, the popular, and of course, Star Trek, the popular sci-fi horror shows in the 60s and 70s. But in the back of the book, there was an addendum with all kinds of shows in alphabetical order. And of course, they had a big, full, it was practically a full-page picture of Barnabas. And, and of course, they talked about Dark Shadows and how, you know, it ran for over a thousand episodes. I thought, Wait a minute, a soap opera about vampires? Ooh, mind you, that was only about I was only about four or five years old when the show went off the air. Mm-hmm. So when 1982 came around and World Vision started this big push to finally get Dark Shadows, the reruns that is, to, to New York uh, over WNBC, of course I watched it. And of course my heartbreak, you know, it, it didn't last that long. In fact, after a few months, they shifted it over to a, Four o'clock in the morning. True story. Around the wow. time that Doc got killed. Then, but in the meantime, I had um, heard about the fanzines. And of course, I wrote to the World of Dark Shadows, Kathy Resch. And that's my first two correspondents, anyway, Jeff Thompson, mm-hmm. you know, who, who's a longtime super fan, as we all know, and also an MC at the festivals. Okay, so in the meantime, I kept busy, you know, I was able to watch the Dark Shadows movies when they were on our local station, WOR, on the million dollar movie. Of course, they were cut to ribbons. Um, (laughs) But in the meantime, miraculously, about a year or so later, along came New Jersey Network. And I don't have to tell you what a big moment that was, because, you know, for the first time, a major PBS station was picked was picking up DS. It was airing not just in New Jersey, but also spread out to Philadelphia and of course, New York. So that was a major push. And that led to the festivals coming to the East Coast. And it was wonderful because by then I had a VCR. I could take the episodes. It, I was in, it was Dark Shadows Heaven. And, and in the fall of 84, I went to my first Dark Shadows Festival. This was the second Dark Shadows Festival. And this had Jonathan Fred making his Dark Shadows Festival, first Dark Shadows Festival appearance, along with Louis Edmonds and Donna Wandry. It was it was wonderful. That's so great. yeah, I've been to all of the East Coast festivals ever since. And um, and uh, in 2010, I had the trip of a lifetime. I went to Burbank 
and as a side note, my niece was about to give birth to her first child. So when I got back to New York, the baby had just arrived, you know, so I wanted to see the baby. As soon as I got home, you know, and I got to see, I got to see, and you know what the, the name of my grandnephew is? Jonathan Michael. Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> so. <laughs> he, Wonderful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the assistance for ups and downs. I always thought the Dark Shadows as the Avis of fandom compared to Star Trek. We always try harder. You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> here, in the six in the in the 70s into the early 80s, fans could only get that first year of reruns on World Vision, as we all know. In fact, those same episodes they keep showing again and again on the Decades channel. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, you can get to like roughly two to three years worth on Pluto and the entire series on Tubi. Yep. And it's split up uh, with uh, the pre-Barnabas episodes are branded as Dark Shadows, the beginning. So yes. you can watch all of those as well on Tubi. Uh, so it's it's definitely available. I remember yeah. those days yeah. of syndication where it was. As, um, from Barnabas's introduction, mm-hmm. all the Late 1897, which is a real pain in the neck, <laughs> because you know Quentin is being possessed by Katofi and, and and vice versa, and Judith has come back, Barnabas is back. You know, I'm sure a lot of people who haven't watched the show would love to see how does Judith get back at Trask? How does Quentin get back? Get back his own body? How was Katofi stopped? You know? Yeah, exactly. Now, and and you were for- I'm friend, hopefully soon, you know, um, that somehow Kudo will add the Leviathan episodes in parallel time and so forth. But in the meantime, go to Tubi. If you don't have the DVDs, go to Tubi. It's free. It has commercials, of course, but you'll get to see the episodes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I remember those days of syndication and um, uh, we were actually fortunate, uh, like like yourself with New Jersey Network, that Channel 58 up here in Vineyard Haven in Massachusetts did carry up until uh, partway into parallel time, up until yeah, that's the New Jersey Network. Yeah. I'm the infamous story about how that was done. Yeah. Uh, the network fell into new management. New? Oh, please. Well, <laughs> Dark Shadows was not PBS's was not PBS programming. It did not fit the image. Mind you, they kept Doctor Who. Okay. Well, I guess because, you know, it's British. <laughs> so the thing, Dark Shadows raised so much money for that damn studio. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, the fans were up in arms. We protested. In fact, we demanded refunds and we got them. We got our money back because, you know, we raised so much money for that network to help keep Dark Shadows and New Jersey Network on the air. So there you yeah. have it. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I thought it was a bit of a weird joke that the final episode, New Jersey Network show from Palo Time 1970 was a black-white kinescope. I was thinking, wait a minute, is this some, some kind of joke or what? The last <laughs> episode was a kinescope? But as it turned out... It was really the next last kinescope, you know, that World Vision CBS Paramount owns. The final one is another episode in uh, 1970 Parallel Time, when Captain Lee Scott returns as Maggie from New York. So I think that's that's basically the last of the kinescopes because APC stopped making them, you know, which yes. is unfortunately the 1219 situation. I that, know, yeah. That is that that is. That's the second item on, on my Dark Shadows bucket list. Number one, of course, is the restoration of Night of Dark Shadows. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a question. Uh, do you think somewhere out there that episode 1219 exists somewhere? Of course. Of course. You know, <laughs> it, it's like I'm, I'm something wonderful that Gloria Swanson once said uh, about the uh, about Lost Silent Films. She said, I did not believe they, they are lost forever. And, you know, she, you know, she had the feeling that those films, some films would be found. And she was right. Uh, most notably in her case, Beyond the Rocks, a film she did with Rudolf Valentino was discovered years after her death in the Netherlands. And it's on the, it's available on DVD now. Yeah. So you never know. Yeah. And of course, um, thanks to the efforts of people like Jim Pearson, they were able to uncover original lost colored tapes. 
and um, and kinescopes. So and of course, you know, they managed to piece together 1219, you know, but yeah, I mean, a la A Star is Born, The Lost Horizon, any of those films that had lost footage. Yeah. They had soundtracks, they just added, you know, added surrounded um, surrounding stuff from the previous and later episode, you know. So I do believe somewhere 1219 has to exist. I hope so. I, I, I wonder, um, I don't know if in the South American uh, airings, um, if they showed that uh, episode, but, you know, when uh, Sombras Tenebrosas, when they were showing Dark Shadows um, in um, uh, Latin American countries and Spanish-speaking countries, maybe somewhere down down there, there's <laughs> in some TV station, you know. Yeah, it's like the Doctor Who situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there, yeah, yeah, the number, the lost, the number of lost episodes is still stuck at ninety-seven right now. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, they they uh, they found a whole bunch of episodes in Nigeria. Yeah. So, so the BBC, of course, you know, they sent all through the Commonwealth these kinescopes of Doctor Who episodes, and a lot of stuff in Patrick Charlton era have been recovered. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, um, technically. There are some things that could be done. I mean, for instance, they could do an animated version of 1219. Yes. Like with Doctor Who. Yeah. Or or they could colorize the black and white kinescopes that, that are shown after August 1967. Yeah. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's something that should be done. I'd like to see that done. Yeah, for sure. And of course, Darren Gross is, um, you know, put together the Night of Dark Shadows and hopefully yes. we'll see a release for that because that's uh, definitely something that needs to happen uh, sooner rather yeah. than later, for sure. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, oh, you know, there's something else I'd like to talk about. <laughs> sure, please be my guest. Yeah. Uh, a very intrepid fan did a reproduction of Julia Hoffman's medallion. I saw that in the collector's now, group. Question. Why hasn't MPI done something about the Julia Hoffman character? She's she's more, I mean, really, she appeared in more episodes than either Maggie or Angelique, and yet she's never been represented in anything, and I think that's a terrible insult. So I suggest that MPI should do a reproduction of Julia Hoffman's memory medallion, you know? Yes, agreed, 100% agree with you. <laughs> and um, yeah, because she was using it the 1967, you know, it's interesting because just two days ago, I saw on um, Pluto, the last time she used it, it was in 1969, she hypnotized Chris Jennings. Mm-hmm. So obviously they kept the medallion. Yeah, yeah. And I <laughs> can't believe mm-hmm. Oh, this is great. So I think if anything, this is something MPI should look forward into because Julie Hoffman is such a popular character. And a lot of friends would love to get their hands on reproduction of that. Also, they should do something regarding Victoria Winters. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she yeah, was I, the, the lead character until Barnabas kind of took took over. Absolutely. Yeah, it was the vocal character. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting, though. Yeah, There's a strange parallel here, that, you know, um, regarding Alexander Mulkey leaving the show halfway because there was another show on ABC at the same time. I think you know what TV show I'm talking about. It took place in New England, and it was on ABC. It played more than once, more than once a week. And the main character, the focal character, was originally a, a young ingenue. The show was Peyton Place. Oh, Peyton Place, yeah. Alice yeah. McKenzie, played by Mia Farrow. Halfway mm. through the show's run, Mia Farrow left the show, you know, because... She didn't want him on the show anymore. She got bored of the character because like Alexander Mulkey, she thought her character was being was just too nice. She get she didn't get to do all the fun stuff, the evil characters. No, in her case, you know, mm-hmm. the breakout character was um Betty Anderson, played by Barbara Parkins. No, the bad girl, kind of like Laura Parker's Angelique. Yes. So um right through halfway through the run, Mia Farrell left the show. And like Alexandra Mulkey's Victoria Winters, she disappears. She leaves town mysteriously. That and, is an interesting and, and there was a there's a parallel there because you both had the two original characters leaving town mysteriously. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, you had two rather dissatisfied actresses <laughs> that leave the show. Right. Yeah. And ironically, years later, the same thing happened on Dallas. Mm. When, when 
Victoria Principal left and J.R. became the new focal character. Right. I also remember Alexandra joking that um, uh, she, she was a little concerned since she was pregnant that Dan Curtis might try to pull a, a yes. Rosemary's Baby story. Yes, yes. Which yes. would have been kind of amazing. It was November 1967. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that last scene, you know, where it was uh, Vicky and uh, Julia Hoffman on the stairs mm-hmm. at Collingwood right after Eve got killed. And I thought, oh, God, <laughs> what a horrible <laughs> way to go. You know, Alexandra deserved better. Dan Curtis and the writers had somehow managed to do the following. They should have had Vicky and Jeff get married and have Jeff recover his memory and then have Jeff and Vicky vanish together all within the same episode. Mm-hmm. Why they think of that. Yeah, right, right, yeah. But uh, from what I understand, they would take a lot more writing. In fact, some episodes were already rewritten when Alexandra suddenly left, and that left left to the sudden re- sudden hiring of Betsy Durkin. And 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 the thing about Betsy Durkin is uh, she got hired at the recommendation of another famous TV personality, Betsy Palmer. Oh yes, yeah, I've met Betsy. Well, the late Betsy Palmer, but yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and the long running, I've got a secret on TV. Well, anyway, because she was, I think she was friendly with Dan Curtis and she and Bob Costello, and she recommended Betsy Durkin for, you know, because she, she had worked for her in a play or something. So that's how Betsy Durkin got in. Wow. Uh, see, as I said at the top of the show, the master of Dark Shadows trivia is here. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to hear lots of really interesting stuff, yeah. folks. This is great. Um I- I have a good memory. You know, there's all kinds of arcane facts I've stored my head over the years. I mean, for instance, you know, of course, we all remember Elizabeth Taylor playing uh, Joan Ben's daughter and father of the bride, you know. And of course, off screen, she was marrying uh, Conrad Conrad Nicholson Hilton Jr., a.k.a. Nikki Hilton. Okay, so picture this. When the wedding took place at the Church of the, Church of the Good Shepherd in Beverly Hills, of course, Joan Bennett was there. Mm-hmm. And one of the altar boys... At the service, believe it or not, has a dark had a dark shadows connection. Do you know who it was? Who was it? No. A very young Jeff Miller, her future husband of Catherine Lee Scott. Oh wow. Huh. He was one of the altar boys during the no wedding. Kidding. <laughs> wow, that's wild. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Have, so you have Maggie Evans, his future husband, in the church with the future Elizabeth Collins' daughter. Yeah, see the small world, the connections that that happened. That... And of course, Elizabeth, and of course, Elizabeth became pals with Grayson through Night sure. of the. You know, she was there on location with the whole family and, mm-hmm. and Richard and. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and, and a, a lot. Oh, I, I have, I have, I have questions for you, but I want to ask you uh, about your involvement in the fandom as well. I, I think I remember you saying once, I think you have a, com- you own the complete run of the world of dark shadows fanzine, right? You, you track yeah, down every uh, issue. Yeah. Almost practically pra- every issue. Some of the early issues were reprinted because the early issues, the first couple issues were done in mimeograph, mm-hmm. but then Kathy Rush had the brilliant idea to reprint some of the early issues in, in the more familiar digest format. So I have those. And uh, so I have, so I bet have a higher run of World of Dark Shadows. I have, I think most of Inside the Old House and um, Ig Hill Sentinel, a lot of fanzines. Oh, that was- There were so many good fanzines. I miss those days. Yeah. In the (laughs) 70s, because, you know, you had that anticipation. The mailman was going to bring you something in a brown envelope. And we opened that brown envelope, a whole world came alive for you. You were back in Collinwood for just a while. Yes. It, yeah. You know, of course, nowadays, the fans are spoiled. They have everything at their fingertips at, on the Internet. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, it's at the fanzines, you know, mm-hmm. um, there were so many of them, too. Um, yeah. I, I used to subscribe to those, too. And they were just they were great. Eagle, like yeah. you said, Eagle Hill Sentinel and, and, yeah, and the Shadows of the Night. Most famously uh, for G- Goya Lilybridge, bless her soul, and the, and the Jerry Lacey Club, uh, Melody Clark, and the work she did for Grayson Hall. Yeah. So many other people. Um, and Melody has a podcast now, too, a fan flack on YouTube, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I got to get Melody on here at some point, too. And, you know, one thing I've always been after over the years was a, was a uh, 
autographed photo of Grayson Hall. I finally got one on eBay. Mm-hmm. And I knew now I collect autographs. That's that's what site that's a long time popping away. I collect autographs so I can tell the fake one real. Okay, so there's a I got a black white headshot of, of Grayson as Sandra giving a giving a, a typical Robert Mitchum I don't care pose. So <laughs> <laughs> now on the back uh were the words Melody Clark. I thought, oh okay. It was through the fan club. All right. Oh, okay. And um, and it was Grayson's signature because she had a very distinctive signature that, you know, so I finally got a eight signed eight by 10 Grayson Hall. Cost a bit of money, but I'm, I finally got it. <laughs> that's great. Oh, congratulations on, on getting it yeah. because that's, that's difficult to, to get. I, look at this, this. Ooh. Joan Bennett in 1988 on her birthday. Wow. This response. It has a dress on the back. Wow. You sure yes. you want to show your address on on on, on camera? No, this was several addresses ago. Okay, okay. <laughs> and this is a letter, and this is the uh, note she sent. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, yeah. uh, it says, dear Alice, how very nice of you to think of me on my birthday. Thank you very much for the pretty card you sent and your good wishes. Sincerely, Joan Bennett W. with a with a period. Of course, Joan Bennett filed her married name. You're right. Oh, that's so sweet. You see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so. Do you have Thayer's autograph? Thayer David? Hmm? You have Thayer David's autograph? No. No, that's what I love. That's what I don't have, unfortunately. I love to get my hands on that one. That must uh, be difficult to find. Just, you know, uh, but um, amazing. Because I've been to so many festivals, I've, I've had people sign so many things over the years. Uh, this is, of course, Stephanie Scott's first oh, book. yes. And, you know, from the beginning, it's signed by practically everybody through the book. Joan Bennett and David Selby. Oh, wonderful. Look at that. Yeah. So you show, it's uh, My Scrapbook Memories. Where it's autographed by so many cast members. Yeah. That's so great. The original. This is the first one. It first came out in 86. Mm-hmm. And yeah. got Ben Martin to sign. <laughs> oh, oh, great. <laughs> you got to get uh, David Hennessy. You got to go down to, to yeah, Pan- like- Panama. What's <laughs> his Jonathan? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, that's great, Charles. That's so cool. Do you, do you have a lot of Dark Shadows collectibles? Do you collect a lot of the merchandise? Ah, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of things. I, I have all the Dan Ross books. The old really, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the you know house and the House of Dark Shadows book, you know that's another MP I should consider, or maybe Hermes. They should do the novelization of uh, Night of Dark Shadows. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's um, Joe now, Escobar did a fan uh, version of that, and I think it would yeah. be great to get an official release of that for sure. Yeah, a couple of years ago, a fan did that. He did a novelization online, which I printed, mm-hmm. and I. I have it in a um, binder. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Joe, Joe Escobar. I think. Yes, that's yes, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, now, Charles, let me ask you some. I'm just going to throw some questions out. Yes, if you happen to to know the answer, um, are you aware of any um, unused storylines or ideas that were proposed for the show that didn't end up being used? Yeah. Okay. Well, I can tell you. I know for a fact. Um, this is for. I know for a fact that towards the end of the series, before ABC, you know, canceled the show, Dan Curtis was trying to get both Roger Davis and Diana Molay back on the show. Mm-hmm. Now, I because I heard this from from the I heard this from both actors. He was trying to get both actors back on the show. So, because you know, we now know, thanks to the documentary, you know, there was a big fallout between Jonathan and yeah, but. But I think ABC may could have possibly settled the issue. I don't know. Right. But you know, there's a couple of reasons why Dark Shadows ended. One big reason I feel was that Dan Curtis simply gave up. You know, he was he went Hollywood in more ways than one. He wanted, you know, he had a taste of he had a taste of the movie life. He wanted to explore new horizons in Hollywood. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, he more or less came up on the show. Believe me, knowing Dan Curtis, you know, as a as a forceful type A personality he was, if he had wanted to save Dark Shadows in 1971, he would have done it in a New York minute. Yeah. Because he did it, he'd done it twice before. He did it with the Phoenix storyline. He did it when Barnabas was introduced. 
he could, he would have he could have done it again. And you know, I do know, um, you know, for instance, you know, the Brian Kaufman storyline. Okay, I know the storyline has its detractors, but I love the storyline. Okay, all right, I love. 1841 Parallel Time. I think it's a great story. In fact, I think MPI should do a um uh, a feature length version of it. You know, like what they did with the Vampire Curse and the, oh, that's a good like, idea. Collinwood, you know, they mm-hmm. could have Walker host it. You know, and it could assemble the whole storyline together and condense it to right. make it palatable. You know, make it more appreciative to the fans. You know, sure, yeah, I like uh, that storyline too. Uh, I don't, I don't think it gets as much. Uh, love as it as it deserves. It's a good storyline, and uh, I had heard about Diana Malay. You know, she had said several times that she was going to come back a, as Laura, but it didn't happen. I didn't know about Roger Davis yeah. also so, uh, coming yeah. back. So, and you know, by that time, you know, the people who were really running Dark Shadows were well, Lila Swift and Cy Tomashoff, who is now associate producer as well as scenic designer. Mm-hmm. And ABC told apparently ABC told them, you know. Try to make it more of a typical soap opera, you know, put, put more more romance in, which is why the Bramlock Catherine storyline was more of a rom- gothic romance as opposed to gothic horror. Mm-hmm. Now, they were trying to attack the, attract the housewives again. You right, know? right. But they kept the lottery storyline to keep that that supernatural element yeah. in there. So which. Was... Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, I think. The real reason why Dark Shadows was canceled, I mean, it had to do, it wasn't anything about the ratings. In fact, the ratings had, went, the ratings were, actually went back up with the Bravo Captain yeah. story, which is ironic. But the main reason why the show was canceled, money. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. all about advertising dollars. Because so, you probably remember about the infamous rural, um, <laughs> um, the, the rural purge of 1971. You know, oh, oh yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. All the uh, role being programs like Payco Junction and Beverly Hillbillies and anything that um, attracted to the older audiences. Never mind that they had big audiences. Mm-hmm. They had huge ratings. I mean, when Red Skelton was canceled in 1970, it was number seven show in America. Can you believe that? Wow, wow. It was canceled because they, uh, CBS felt they didn't attract a younger audience. Mm-hmm. This was a Network that canceled the Smothers Brothers the previous year for mm-hmm. being political. Wow. In the case of Dark Shadows, the irony is it was canceled because it had the wrong kind of audience as far as ABC Daytime was concerned. Right, right. The audience was too young. Yeah. Uh, the pain count of ABC wanted to go after the housewives. Which, you know, it's funny because a few years later, the that young audience would be exactly what networks would want that's in the terms irony, of it right there that's the yeah. irony because you know, a decade later yeah. those teenagers probably the children of the original dark shadows fans yeah. they turned to watch luke and laura well i did <laughs> 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 or they turned to watch erica kane they turned to watch uh jennifer Ibis, karen wallach they those shows put abc on top it was mostly because it was young audiences right right a decade earlier they wanted to get. They got rid of Dark Shadows because they felt that the uh, teen audience was too, you know, um, too fickle. Right. Because they saw, you know, the fall off in the audiences after the Leviathan story. Yeah. And um, they felt that the that the teen audiences went loyal as compared to the housewives. Mm-hmm. So you know, in, so they thought, well, if we put something more traditional on, we'll get more numbers. We'll get more advertising dollars. So it was goodbye, Barnabas. Hello, password. Yes, yeah, and I think you're you're right too. I've heard many times about Dan Curtis. Yeah, you know, he's been he was he got a taste of the movies. He was ready to move on. Uh, and the the money thing, they asked him to bring the cost down, and he said no. Uh, from what I understand, they wanted Dan yeah. Curtis to bring them the it was cost. A show, pretty expensive show, but it was worth it. You yeah. know. I- Cy Tomashoff is definitely an unsung hero because that man, he created worlds within a tiny, a very tiny studio on West 53rd Street in Manhattan. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He, he created an infinite, an infinite universe there. Absolutely. do that? And of yeah. course, you know, and another factor I, I felt uh, led to the end of the show. I think Sam Hall and Gordon Russell are just playing overworked at this point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, really, after Joe Caldwell left in, in mid-1970, there was just the two of them. 
And I always felt that Dark Shadows were at its best when it had three or more writers. Right. I know yeah, Violet Wells was doing some ghost writing, um, but yeah. but she, you know, it was Gordon was carrying the bulk of it by by the end with some uncredited assistance from Violet Wells, as I understand it. And then Sam was had been working on Night of Dark Shadows, so there yeah. wasn't a whole. Yeah, well, I love Violet Wells' work, and I wish she had. Re- I wish she had come back full time because she was yes. excellent. Agreed. Um, they needed a third writer. They really needed a third writer for that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I that show continue if they had the third writer, mm-hmm. but everything was down on the shoulders of Paul and Russell. Now it's mm-hmm. a miracle they made it through as far as they did mm-hmm. as, to early 1971. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm kudos to them. Are there um there there I had always heard these interviews, you know, where where they say, Oh, we ran out of ideas, but my my feeling is there there are so many more tales that they could have incorporated. And one I know they didn't really want to do was a mummy storyline, but I think yes, it oh, a lot of fans have that's one thing a lot of fans have talked about. Mummy, mm-hmm. that's the type of storyline they should have gone into voodoo. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you did a strange paradise. Did that? Very very tough. Well, the late sixties because they would have been able to cast cast black actors on the show on, yes. on record for the first time. That would have been that would have been groundbreaking. Absolutely, absolutely. It would have been groundbreaking. It would have been so unique. They could have had you know <laughs> they could have had the pieces. They, they could have explored Angelique's passing marks and make the whole bit. Yes. Oh my God, I would have loved that. That would have been amazing. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Storyline decisions. You know, the worst storyline decision Dark Shadows ever did. Now, some people say it was the Leviathans. No, the one big mistake Paul Russell and Wells made: they failed to bring back. Patofi from 1897. Yes, 100% agree. Yes. That was the worst mistake. Now, let's go back to 1795. Angelique was the breakout character from that story. You know, Hall, Russell, and Sproke, they knew a good thing. Yeah. You know, they took the super bitch who was even better <laughs> than Barnabas. So they brought <laughs> In 1968, as Cassandra to cause all kinds of hell, and the ratings shot up. And yeah. when you in 1897, Thea David, bless his soul, created the most memorable male villain on the show as Calvin Toffee. Oh. Even Emily was scared of him. Yes, yeah. And, and we last see him, you know, fighting to the death of Garth Blackwood, and that's it? Yeah. His glasses were found outside the, the studio, too. So there's yeah. the, they left that hint there that he might come back. And it I'm shocked. Wonderful sense to bring him back to 1968. 1969. Yeah. And you'd know, and, and, and still be followed by the gypsies. You know, I figured they could have brought back Paul Michael as a descendant of Johnny Romano. Oh, Imagine yeah. Wearing a Savile Row suit, you know. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I, I love this. And of course, Quentin returning. That would have been wonderful. But, you know, now they went, you know, they tried something new with, with Leviathan. We all know what happened, but still, mm. they could have brought back. I get, I'm sure if the show had continued on into 1971 and 72, I'm sure we would have seen Count Patofi come back because there's just no way they wouldn't have. He's was such a an important part of 1897, such a memorable character to this day. Uh, people still talk about that character, you know. So I think it would have. They should have done it. Uh, early. They should. Uh, they should have uh, done it. Mm, yeah. Uh, that yeah. was a major opportunity for the show. And then and they they so, ended up doing summer uh, the summer of 1970 storyline. I mean, the, ne- the next present day storyline after Leviathan was that summer of 1970 storyline yeah. where they went back to the it's turn of the screw. Yeah. It's a repeat of, of uh, turn of the screw. Yeah. Now you had and Gerard. Okay. But, you know, I mean, the good thing is, okay, we got James Storm and Kate Jackson. Okay. Right. Okay. Fine. We oh, got they're them great. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Had the show continued, I know that some of the actors were thinking, I know Nancy Barrett was thinking of leaving Dark Shadows around mm-hmm. that time. Wasn't was, Louis also, Louis Edmonds also thinking of, or was that, is that true? Or I, maybe, I don't know, but I know Nancy Barrett seriously, was seriously thinking. And then, of course, the honors of situation of Jonathan Frid. Yeah. Um, now, here's the thing. The show could have gone on if the show had created a new family. They created a new family, let's say a 
uh, uh, a different branch of the Collins family. Let's say from uh, a, a branch of family from Bangor or Boston or New York. Mm-hmm. Now, during the final year, you have these, all these new actors led by Chris Panic, Donna Wandry, James Dorn, Kate Jackson, Virginia Bestoff, you know, and, and, and Kathleen Cody and um, Tom Happer. And you also had older actors like David Hurst and, and, and Mary Cooper and Paula Lawrence. You could use those actors to create a new family of Collinses, yeah. you know, make cousins. You could have them living um, at maybe the West Wing of Collinwood or at Seaview. Yeah. You know, Caleb Taylor's Collinses will would finally be moot and void after 1971, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Collinses movement and more or less start to take over the storyline a bit. It's something mm-hmm. more the original characters, you know, move away or do something, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been a way to create the series with some new characters. Some new characters, yeah. In the present day, you know, as segue, because that's been done before in soap operas, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, most famously on The Young and the Restless, you know, during the first decade, it was the Brooks and Foster families. But after a while, you know, most of those characters, those two families, just, you know, the actors were moved away, have been recast so many times. But by 1980, it was like two or three characters from either family. So they had uh, Jill Foster married into the Abbott family and, uh, and her sister-in-law, Nikki, married into the Newman family. And of course, today, Young and Wesley, the Abbott and Newman families mm-hmm. are central families on that show. You see, they could have done a segue like that, mm-hmm. like with Dark Shadows, you know? You know, it would have been no longer, it would have been the adventures of um, Liz, Roger, David, Kellen, and... Uh, and Barnabas and Julia, and uh, and of course Maggie was gone at this point. Yes, she was at Wincliffe at this point. There, there's a, there's a, was a fanfic online. Uh, was co- by, written by Charles Delaware Troll. He called himself, and it was uh, an episode, like another year of Dark Shadows. So he wrote it in the form of like episode summaries. And one idea he had that I thought was really interesting was, you know, this mysterious member of the Collins family shows up at Collinwood, and it turns out. That he did kind of a reverse thing where it's a f- member of a descendant of the Collins family who comes back in time to the present to save the family in the future, like the Colin David and Carolyn's yeah. descendants in the future. And I thought that was a clever idea to do. Like yeah. maybe we could meet the Collins family of of the future or something yeah. like that. Well, of course, you know, well, of course, you know, there was a famous nineteen ninety-five flash forward. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was a great, great, it was two weeks long, but it was uh, such a compelling thing to to watch, you know. Yes, very spooky. Of course, you had Gerard doing all kinds of things, possessing Julia, and and you saw and you saw what was left of the regular characters, Carol and Quentin got nuts and the old Stokes and the old Mrs. Johnson and uh, everyone else did. (laughs) Now, now, uh, Charles, do you have any uh, tidbits about, uh, actors like the like uh, in terms of their like factoids and, and things about actors, uh, you know, lives or performances or you know anything like that. Uh, okay, Faye David. He yeah. was a big fan of the um, Wall and the Hardy. He was a member of the Sons of the Desert, and he was descended from Mayflower. He was wow. The Mayflower. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. He's a, he's a, was a Massachusetts native where I am too. And he's, he, so he was a big Laurel and Hardy fan. You say, I, oh, I'd love yes. that. That's great. <laughs> Desert. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I was, and, surpro- I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, you find out all these interesting things, you know, about, um, about the friendships, um, you know, uh, of course, a couple of months ago, we lost the great Larry Storch. Yeah. He was he was a long he was an old friend of Marie Wallace's, but he also got to know Jonathan because uh, they did Austin and Old Lace together. I got mm-hmm. to see that on Broadway. Oh, cool! Uh, Broadway together, so it was interesting that Jonathan, Jonathan, Marie, and Larry all knew each other. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's an interesting connection that they had. When you saw Arsenic and an Old Lace, did you get to to go backstage after to? to no, see? I didn't. I regret uh. not. That's my thing. We get ready doing, you know, because over the years I've I've seen uh, some of the DS actors on off Broadway productions like Marie Wallace and Laura Parker and uh, 
Donna Wandry. Um, in fact, Donna Wandry's doing an off-Broadway show right now. Is uh, she? I hadn't see, heard much from her in a while. Oh, that's good to know yeah. that she's doing that. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, I remember years ago, this is a true story. Years ago, back in the 80s, uh, Nancy Barry did a did a play called Three in Time, a romantic comedy about a about a Hollywood movie star trying to make a comeback. It was mm-hmm. like a comic sunset boulevard. Well, anyway, the set was supposed to be her New York apartment. And of course, there's pictures of her, pictures of Nancy Bear for Night in House of Dark Shadows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a really interesting story. Backstage, I got to have Nancy sign a photo. She also introduced me to her husband, Dr. the late Dr. Harold Kaplan. Oh. Now, know who I don't think you know who Hal Kaplan was. Hal Kaplan. Well, he was a psychiatrist. Henry. Okay, yeah. Well, he was a very prominent psychiatrist in New York. Now, get this: one of his patients <laughs> was none other than Phil Spector. Really? Wow, that's in fact, <laughs> God honest truth. Now, uh, you know. Well, we all know how odd Phil Spector was. You know. Yes. But, yeah. Um, for example, for his singles, you know, he recorded singles with, with artists like, say, the Ronettes or Darling Love or the Righteous Brothers. But for the B-sides, you know, he usually have instrumental pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Instead on the, on the B-side. Now, one B-side of a crystal single was called, believe it or not, Dr. Kaplan's Office. Really? Wow. <laughs> Dr. Kaplan's Office. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> A rock and roll musical instrumental about Nancy Barrett's husband. <laughs> that's wild. Wow. That's wow. <laughs> Very interesting. But I do know one thing, though. Uh, one memory I always hold dear, you know, just going to West City Fur Tree a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was back in the 80s before, well, because by that time, Ryan's Hope had left the, had left the uh, studio, it had been there for years. And, um, I was just grateful to see it, you know, because yeah. I had a people that be there much longer, but of course, of course, it stayed much longer too. Like two, three years ago, it was torn down. Yeah, that's oh, heartbreaking. That was. Yeah. I mean, you, you think someone at least put a plaque? <laughs> you know, like you do in England, you know about the blue packs they have in England? You know about those? Yeah, yeah, they, sh- they, they should absolutely have done that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's they oh, still could. We should start a petition for that, yeah. All that history at West 53rd Street. Did oh. you see the any of the writing on the wall? Because the, the kids who used to hang out outside the studio oh, used yeah. to... Yeah, graffiti. Oh, I have, oh, this is a great story. Okay, so mm-hmm. I have a um picture of Kate Jackson posing, you know, she's in front of the wall, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can read it, you can read it, it's like fine print, and you can clear it clearly says. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it's that funny. David Selby is a good lay. He <laughs> wrote that. I have the photo. Wow. Wow. It's small lettering. It clearly says David Selby is a good lay. I can't believe it. <laughs> some some fans, I guess, uh, you know, fantasizing outside the studio. <laughs> I can't believe it. These were supposed to be teenagers? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> those, those are the kids who are buying the Tiger Beat <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I have some of those too, you know. I yeah, oh god. So do I, yeah. So much of those um tiger beads and sixteens with the original color uh color um posters and stuff. You know, I've been trying to find the originals, you know, because Mm -hmm. God Davis photographed those and I know Jim Pearson was trying to find the originals. He didn't have any luck. Yeah. Finding the original negatives for the color shots. But um, yeah, I do say still have those sixteens and uh Yeah. Yeah. Thing. And the the all the I mean all the monster magazines. I have a bunch yeah, of those yeah. too. The famous famous monsters and it's a bit sad though, because nowadays, you know, the newer fans, mm-hmm. you know, they'd be they would love to get their hands on some of their stuff. And of course the prices have gone up so much because they're so collectible nowadays. The famous monsters and the sixteens and everything. Yeah. And especially the movie posters and, and the and the uh, press books for the two films. I have both of them. I have yeah. the press and the poster for both movies. Wow, that's great. Yeah. 
but back in the late 80s, early 90s, it was so it's so much easier to get. You could buy books like $30. Yeah, I remember in the ads and the fanzines, you could send away for people would just sell stuff. It was like a little yeah. classified, you know. I have a black and white Barnabas poster that was out mm-hmm. uh, that came out in the late 60s. Oh, the big Warren poster? The big uh, giant. The poster came. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I know you remember Jerry Olinger's. That that rings a bell. Okay, he was the guy who used to sell the movie stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. he used to be at the festivals. Okay. So, um, well, his store was in Manhattan, several different locations over the years. So mm-hmm. I, so that's why I bought the posters. That's why I bought a lot of the Dark Shadows stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that was a great place to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wish they would memories. I wish they would have more stuff. Like you mentioned Julia's Medallion, which I think is a no-brainer. Like they should absolutely make Julia's Medallion. But there are so many things that could be ma- merchandise that could be made for Dark Shadows. What Not that could be done again. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the Dark Shadows Celebrity Cookbook? Oh, yes. I Yes. Yeah, I do remember I that. I was a contributor to that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you contributed to that one. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, rem- I remember getting that back in the day um, from the zine with the spiral. But back, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I contributed. Um, I contributed the Donna Wandry's um, fruitcake recipe. I got oh. that from a book magazine. Oh, I, I also, love it. <laughs> I also uh, I also got Nancy Barrett's um, um, omelet recipe with salmon. I got that. OK, yeah. From another magazine, as well as. Well, as um, a sandwich recipe of David Selby, so another magazine. So I gave that all to Jim Pearson. Every <laughs> <laughs> contributor's copy. So <laughs> I think there should be a second volume of that. Yeah. Oh, the sure. Volume of the um, celebrity cookbook because there are several celebrities who 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 didn't contribute. You know, I th- who who I think will be perfect for a volume two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Instances because you know he's in the hospitality business, so I know he probably know a whole bunch of recipes. Uh, Alexander Mulkey, for instance, you know another personality wasn't in the first edition. Sure, uh, Odi, you know, absolutely, and yeah. they could reissue the first one too. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe do a, t- a two pack with with both the new a new version and the original one too. Yeah, that would be and great. Now, um, Diane Malay, of course, put out her own cookbook. I'd rather eat than that. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I said, I collected a whole lot of things uh, that weird. the stars have over the years, like Louis Edmonds' memoirs, uh, biography, I should say, Big Lou, mm-hmm. uh, that Craig Hamburg did. Yeah. Which was, you know, so um, it's amazing how there have been several biographies of the stars. You know, of course, they had the biography of the Bennett family by Brian Kello. Of course, I had one chapter on Dark Shadows. And, um, and of course, you had people like Kathleen Scott and Marie Wallace were interviewed for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a lot of celebrities visited the studio while the show was on, um, you know, yeah. uh, like Fritz Lang uh, yeah, was there. And in some of the best films. Yes. And he was uh, a fan of the show, too. He didn't want anybody to bother him when he was watching Dark Shadows. Fritz Lang was was a Dark Shadows fan himself. He would watch it. Yeah. Yes. Joanne Woodward was a fan, yeah. too. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, supposedly um, some Jones celebrity pals like Joan Crawford would tune in time to time to see how she was doing on the show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Famously, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, later on, you know, some famous people who, who watched Dark Shadows as a kid, like Michelle Pfeiffer, of course. Michelle Pfeiffer. Whoopi Goldberg, supposedly Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah, I knew Whoopi Goldberg. I didn't know Bruce Springsteen was a fan. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Uh, <laughs> he supposedly gave money during a Dark Shadows pledge break, supposedly on New Jersey Network. Huh. That's over the years. I'm going to be able to confirm the story. And of course, Stephen King. Stephen, Stephen King. King yeah. wrote Dark Shadows in his nonfiction book, Death Macabre. Yes. They called it a Mad Hatter's Tea Party yeah. because it was on during that that time traditional time for tea. Of course, the late Anne Rice also was a Dark Shadows fan. Yeah, um, you be with the vampire, please. Dark oh. 
it press with William H. Loomis in parallel time. Exactly. I'm sure she probably got the idea from that storyline because it's very similar concept. Um, Charles, um, we're, we're almost out of time here. So g- give any final thoughts you want to share with us, any final tidbits you want to throw out. I'm going to ask you final trivia notes and future of Dark Shadows. What would you like to see happen with Dark Shadows what? going forward? I- a new a new series uh you know i mean they have been talking about a, of a sequel series i've heard about i'm also thinking you know maybe they should do something with animation like i like i say with doctor who in fact they should animate some of the uh big finish stories mm-hmm. yeah. they should versions of big finish stories i i'd like to see that uh, let me see trivia um well um jonathan okay well jonathan when he was in New Haven, of course, he went to Yale University for his master's, you know, for to become a director. One of the people he befriended there was a young writer named Ron Sprout. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, when um, when Jonathan auditioned for DS, you know, Ron Sprout put in a word, you know, for Bob Costello saying, look, I know this guy from Yale. He can do the part, you know. So yeah. it's interesting, you know, because... And who would have guessed, you know, when he auditioned for Dark Shadows, did anyone know, you know, he had an old friend working on the show already. Yes. Yeah. And that that's such a great you know, uh, connection that that. Oh, you know. and another thing. OK, you probably heard the story about the actress who's supposed to play Julia Hoffman and suddenly quit. Yes. Now, trying to figure out who it was obvious, but I think I solved the mystery. Okay. okay, you remember Love Lady Powell? Yes. She's the actress who played Portia Fitzsimmons, right? The art dealer? Yes. She made such a great impression on a whole lot of people, including the fans. And you know, she did resemble Grayson Hall to a degree. All right, now, now she was known, at, known to her friends as Lovey. Also, she worked part-time on the Danny K show over there. You know, she, she appeared on Danny K show on and off during, on this variety show. Now, in Kathleen's, in Kathleen Scott's memory, she remembered that a, a actress named either Honey or Honeypot play, was going to play the part. And I thought, Honey, Lovey, Honey, uh. Lovey, Love Lady Powell was the actress who was supposed to play Julia. Of course. Wow. It makes total sense. That makes a hundred percent makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're right. I mean, it makes, she she, I could to... see her as Julia even. I mean, yeah. she has she that demeanor. On, she made such a memorable impression that one appearance, I'm sure Dan Curtis had her in mind to play, play Julia Hoffman. And yet for some reason or another, she backed out. She's a but powerful also, presence on screen. I mean, you could totally see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you know but, that but originally, oh, also had Grayson Hall in the back of his mind. Yeah. He wanted her for a part of the show. So he said, okay, fine. If we can't get Love Lady Powell, get Grayson Hall. And yeah. that's when Grayson got that famous call. Now, do you know before any of the, because Julia was originally was going to be Julian Hoffman. Yeah. Do you know of any of the men who auditioned for that role? Uh, or uh, well, that's, no. that's From what I heard, supposedly it was a typographical error. Okay. Supposedly on the script, it went, it went from Julian to Julia. And supposedly Dan Cutter said, Hmm. Julia Hoffman? Yeah. yeah. You know, something like that. If I, mm-hmm. Why not a female doctor? Right, you know? right. A yeah. female Van Helsing. Supposedly, yeah. she was supposed to learn Barnabas' secret and try to kill him, and she was going to be killed in 13 weeks. Well, we all know what happened next. Grayson <laughs> and Jonathan had this great chemistry together. It was all serendipity. Everything yeah. fell into place. Yeah. And now she, was, she became too popular to kill off. Right. The same way Jonathan Frid was. And I also did a piece on Facebook recently about how 1795 was a deus ex machina for the show because the show had written itself into a corner by late 67. And someone came up with the idea to bring Barnabas and company back to 1795 to find out how he became a vampire. And in doing so, it changed the show. It made Barnabas more sympathetic again Better yet, and created Angelique, you know, this bitchy villainess who was even worse than Barnabas. So when the show came back in 1968, you know, people felt sorry for Barnabas again. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they're able to rehumanize him and Julia. And the show went on from there. And then Cassandra came, you know, and the show took off. 
I thought that was a brilliant move by the writers. Agreed. Yeah. And it's the first time really in popular culture where you get such you get the backstory of how this character became a vampire. You get this very complex background for this character to build sympathy for for Barnabas. But it's the first time this really ha happened in popular culture. And I think yeah. Dark Shadows deserves more credit for that. For the Gary Oldman movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And the reincarnation of uh, the, you know, the lookalike and all of that. Ab yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Curtis did that with Jack Palace as Dracula. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which he pulled pulled from his own show from, from Dark Shadows and he used it yeah. in the Jack Palance Dracula. Uh, I mean, uh, definitely very... Um, you know, very instrumental things that happened in, in, the, in the genre that we kind of take for granted or that a lot of, well, we don't because we're fans of Dark Shadows, but I think just people that aren't aware should be aware of it, you know, that this is an instrumental part of, uh, especially in terms of how vampires are depicted. It's Exactly. I mean, he was first, Barnabas was really the first vampire for conscience long before Angel, Nick Knight, or, or anything since mm -hmm. It all goes back. It, it, it all goes back to Dark Shadows. I mean, True Blood acknowledged this. You know, the creators of True Blood acknowledged Dark Shadows. You know, as a forerunner, it mm -hmm. all goes back. Twilight. Everything goes back to Dark Shadows. You know, it's, it's a touch. It's a cultural touchstone that people will go to for generations to come. You know, and I hope you know, now that the pandemic is hopefully winding down. I want the festivals, festivals back because there are a whole bunch of people online who are asking, when are the festivals coming back? Even the stars are asking. Yeah, everybody you know, asks I'm, that. You know. Sadly, you know, there are a whole great, a bunch of the stars that have since left us. You know, I'm still recovering from losing Chris Pennick, Diane Molay, you know, in the past yeah. year, and Mitch Ryan recently, but still, we still have a lot of great stars left. And Robert Rodan, and too. Robert. Do you do Robert Robert Rodan passed away not too long yeah. ago too? Do you do you um have you heard anything about the festivals possibly coming no, back? Not and somebody somebody even told me that the festival website is down. Is it really? Oh, that's sad. Maybe sometime in the future, you know, uh yeah. Kat's gonna have her meet and greet at Lindhurst over the Holiday weekend. So I'll ask her, no, yeah. just have them tell Jim Pearson. Do something. The fans want a festival again. Yeah, we all want a festival again. Yeah, I, I, I asked, um, you know, about that before, and I think, you know, there is some concern with COVID and stuff. But as things are now starting to improve quite a bit, as people are getting vaccinated and I, stuff, maybe we can do yeah, some. Yeah, I got my red booster. <laughs> Yeah, I got my booster coming up Sunday, this uh, this coming Sunday. So. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. listen, I survived COVID, you know? It took two and a half years. I finally got COVID about two months ago. You oh, did. I oh, I took antibiotics. I was gone within days. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it wasn't too too bad. Uh, so that that's good. Yeah, my parents had it. I've managed to to dodge it so far. Fingers crossed. But um, I have my yeah my next booster coming up this Sunday. So <laughs> I'm sure I'll be achy the next day. But uh, oh, but yes, it's a blue whale. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> great. What a great way to go out on the blue whale. I, you know what, Charles? It was a pleasure uh, talking with you. Thank you yeah. for taking the time here to to sit down with me and share some trivia. And we're dancing to the we're dancing at the blue whale. That was <laughs> background music. It's by Bud Shank, and um, one of the players on this album is none other than Chet Baker. Oh, now this is a copy of this album was sold at a Dark Shadows Festival. Mm -hmm. uh, it was. By Sybil Weinberger for background music at on at the Blue Whale. Oh yes, yeah. So and of course Sybil Weinberger wound up marrying Bob Costello. Last yeah. trivia note of the day. <laughs> Sybil Weinberger. Now that I didn't know. Sybil Weinberger married Bob Costello. I yeah. did not know that. Wow. Yeah. On. Uh, and they met through yeah. Dark Shadows. And they were together till the end, till he passed away a couple oh. years ago. And they met through Dark, dark Shadows. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, some of those early episodes have other songs that because everybody always jokes, oh, they have the same four songs on the jukebox. But in those early epi early episodes, you hear like instrumental versions of Beatles songs and all kinds of different yes. things. Well, yeah. this is, uh, yeah, like I said, this Bunchang album is Michelle, it was the Beatles song. And oh, that that's was, where it, that, oh, yeah, yeah. Album was used. 
I'm also trying to track down a Les and Larry Elgard album that was also used in Dark Shadows. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm searching for eBay to get a copy of that album. <laughs> you, you know, I was, um, there's an app, uh, Shazam on the phone. You can download and if you, sometimes if you hold it up to the TV while a song is playing, if you're, like if it's something you're not sure what the song is, it'll come up on the app and tell the name of the song. So that's really? worth using. Oh. I did use, I did use it a few times in some of those. I rewatched dark shadows again during the pandemic um and i was when i was re-watching those episodes I, when those songs would come up i recognized the beatles ones but then i was like what where which album did this come from or what is this song and i would hit the shazam button and hold it and a lot of the times it would find it it would know what it what it was and then i i did a screen grab of the of the album cover so that i wouldn't forget so those those are on my phone but yeah it's worth doing if you have like a i don't know if they have it on android but it's i have an iphone but if you download it <laughs> okay, so it's Shazam, uh, and you just press the press the button and hold it up, and it listens yeah. to the. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I'm trying to track down that Elgar album, um, but you know, I'm just grateful. You know, I've been able to find some things. Okay, <laughs> all right, Charles. Thank what, you. What I always wanted to find Amanda Harris's portrait. That's oh, what I always find. Charles, I want to find all of those portraits. Like I would love, I know they found the old Quentin. The old yes, Quentin I, has been found. I, I was there. They saw it at the festival and the yeah. Angelique portrait from 1968. I saw it. Yeah. I, when they sold it. Yeah. I wonder where those are. Like, um, uh, or the young Quentin portrait. Like Jeff Kenny uh, thought maybe they painted over the young Quentin yeah. portrait to do the old Quentin. I'm not, I'm not I, sure. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Werewolf Quentin. And then there's yeah. Amanda Harris, like you said. Over the fellow time portrait, Angelique for Night of Dark Shadows. That's a fact. Yeah. Oh, they painted over that one. Yeah. Yeah. That it's makes sense. Pose. Same pose. I mean, you know, from night from parallel time to night dark shadows is the same pose, but different setting. They painted over it, you know. So yeah. and Laura Park, of course, has the original. Yes. And someone, of course, stole the Barnabas portrait while it no, was showing. Barnabas had to repaint it, repaint it for the movie. What about and the old house Barnabas portrait? I wonder where at the festival to a Texas lady. Oh, the House of Dark Shadows one? Yeah, the House of Dark Shadows portrait was like yeah. three thousand something ah. dollars. Now, Charles, you know, I wonder where the old house Barnabas, you know, the new one that Sam Evans paints, where is that? No, no one knows. And not even Jonathan had it. I mean, no one knows. Yeah, it's probably in somebody's house somewhere. I keep hoping someday, you know, I go to flea markets in Manhattan, hoping someday I'll come across a painting I recognize on the show or something. You never know. You know, Josette's painting somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right charles well thank you very much again well, and I'm, I'm good it's I'm, been real oh this <laughs> yay oh i'm so glad we got to we got to do this so i'm gonna hit yeah. stop and for as long as they lived the dark shadows never truly vanished for there will always be terror at collinwood terror at collinwood is a penny dreadful production.